Hey, Sam. Hey, Nathan. What's up? What's happening? Not much. It's pretty cold and wet and dreary. Actually, it's not that cold out. I'm in shorts today. I was going to say, it is dreary down here in Richmond, but which I prefer, but it is not cold, which I also prefer. Yeah. I uh, I was able to finally see where you live for the first time a couple days ago. That That's, was really fun. Yeah, yeah. You had a had a good time? Yeah, the house was great. Glad you're, uh, at least by the time we got there, your roof was fixed yep yes. roof got fixed finally yeah Yay. so at least that's what that's what they that's what the invoice in my mailbox told me uh, <laughs> I, I didn't actually look mm, yeah um but you might want to double check a lot of times they send those invoices without the work actually being done so <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah so the ne- the final step in the whole roof garbage fiasco is getting insulation blown in which was supposed to happen yesterday didn't get a call didn't get anything didn't show up mm. so i placed a number of calls today trying to trying to get that done who knows well maybe done. during this podcast they'll just show up like, <laughs> we're here to work on the uh, insulation wouldn't shock me i had uh today was supposed to be our scheduled um new windows and door installation they're actually cutting out new holes in the side of our home to nice. add these and uh it was raining this morning so they just dropped off all the stuff and left <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is this is what it's like this is what it's like out there home ownership yep home um ownership to the max unless you really know that you want to do it you know consider renting <laughs> Well, I got to believe that the owners of the rental properties would have just as much trouble. And then you have less control of your actual schedule when things are like, you know, meant to, meant to happen. So if you needed anything fixed or repaired, it's probably, you have this extra layer of somebody to go through to get it done. Hopefully they actually do it. And hopefully it's not like a huge pain in the, in the butt to your schedule. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an epic journey to get anything done with a house. It's, it is. it's really, mm. And it, it, and it's crazy expensive. It just uh, it 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 <laughs> pays to have just a fund that you just funnel money into that uh, that's just for fixing things that go wrong in your house, which happens monthly, basically. Pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's not even counting stuff that you just want to update on because <laughs> right, right. I'm like, oh, it would be nice to have like a bigger closet here. Mm, that's gonna be like. Three thousand bucks, not gonna happen. <laughs> yes, right. It's like, gonna be seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, it is just uh, ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, so yes, Sam, you and uh, Evan were in town. We uh, did some did some work on our on the the Prisms album. Yeah, the third Prisms EP or potential e- split EP. Uh-huh. We haven't we haven't really decided. Although I think it should be an LP. Well, I mean. Anyway. We have to we have to write more songs. Can you write can you write like maybe two or three more songs then, Sam? And then you, you know what we should consider doing is opening the podcast or maybe closing uh, new podcast episodes as we get tracks uh, mixed and completed back to us. That'd be really fun. Actually, it might be kind of cool. What do you guys yeah. think? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, if if you're into it, uh, look us up. We're Prisms. Our most recent record is uh, Whalefall. We're on Apple Music and all that stuff. So it's yep. worth. Uh, 
taking a look at, see if it's your vibe or not. But uh, yeah, it's going to be the next few months regularly recording as, as weddings slow down. We're going to be filling our time making a, a record. Yep. And uh, yeah, goal goal is to have that thing done sooner than later. So we'll keep you all so posted. We said that for the last record and it only took like a year and a half to get done. Well, this one is a little different. There's a much stronger vision for the record and uh, much, much higher motivation to get it out and done. So being that you, Nathan, are the guitarist and singer, which take the absolute longest in the process, uh, you now live in the city that we're actually recording. Thank that God. Help, that should help a lot. Yeah. Know? Instead of having to commute up to uh, Baltimore to record just yeah. for like a few hours and then c- try to come back and beat traffic. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Not fun. But uh, okay, uh, so that was that was fun to hang out and, and everything. Um, I don't yeah. know if we have any follow up from the last podcast because I only got around to posting it yesterday. But I, um, I do. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say I did get one one bit of feedback, which was that um, someone uh, suggested that we should speak like we're NPR broadcasters in a monotone voice, um, because I don't know. Why would we want to do that? I don't know. Why would we want to talk like an NPR broadcaster? Yeah, they're not super monotone. I feel like they they actually. I'm gonna need to work. I'm gonna need to work on my Ben. What's it? Whatever his name's voice, which who I've actually I've photographed before. Um, Who that uh, that what's his name? Ben something from NPR. I'm gonna look him up. I have no idea. I don't listen to NPR. I don't think I ever have. Really? I don't think Um, so. Not I only mean, not knowingly, not not act, not proactively. Um, maybe it's not Ben. I don't know. I'll I'll find it. It's it's really point. okay, but uh, I do want to put a little um, little bit of helpful info out there. So I think you just got one of these as we were setting up the Skype. Um, you just got one of these uh, spammy phone calls. Is that accurate? I'm not sure if it was spam or not because I was just like not going to take this call because I just don't want to. Yeah, I I get daily spam calls. Uh, yeah, f- usually from like political surveys or yep. just like you please press one to enhance your Google listing. Blah blah blah, and it's just like I it's gotten to the point where if I don't recognize a number or it doesn't come up through my contacts or what have you, um, I don't answer it, and people are just left to voicemail, which is kind of annoying. And uh, I would I would love to have that freedom back. And so um, yeah, I mean, there's I I really want the ability to see a phone call coming through and not be afraid that it's uh you know um something legit or not and, and anyway i'm completely sick of these spam calls and i found this app uh called true caller a friend of mine okay. was actually telling me about it in nashville he's from nashville and uh i didn't think it would work well with an iphone because usually apple doesn't let you insert things in the layer of their operating system um to to interrupt or or you know, change things, but this true caller uh, is enabled in the settings of the phone app specifically, and it matches and searches whatever numbers are incoming against their giant database of uh, phone numbers that have been reported to be spam, and it'll let you know right there in the line of the the phone app when the, when it's ringing. Hey, this is a reported uh, spam political survey or you know spam google listing thing and you can safely ignore it or or actually answer it oh wow um sounds, yeah, sounds yeah. pretty useful 
Uh, it's already blocked three spam calls for me since I enabled it yesterday. So I'm I'm really happy. And it's totally free. You can pay for, uh, I think, some sort of updated set of features, but I don't really know what that would be. Uh, I need to awesome. Look into that. So TrueCaller, uh, they're not a sponsor or anything like that. It's just a legit, nice, handy tool. Uh, especially anytime you have your email or like phone number on a website, you are going to get cash yep. from a huge bot surfing the net and put it on a list and called to infinity Cold call and, yeah, it should be complete forever. it should be so illegal in fact i think it is illegal i think they just do it anyway yeah i think so you're not supposed to be able to call mobile numbers but uh it used to be more of a problem back in the day when you had to pay like per phone call <laughs> uh, remember those days on cell phones it was like answering a call was going to cost you two dollars um was it you mean for like international calls or or like no, long distance just, calls I don't well you know you, you basically like when cell phones first came out they had you would get like 60 minutes a month in a plan or yeah yeah 200 minutes yep. so essentially answering a phone call yep. would, would cost you real money that you could count on your hands like um oh man yeah i was i was yeah. actually just thinking about that today since data limits are starting to not become a thing anymore um that sort of well sort of i mean like i said starting to um but they uh but yeah i was just like man remember when we had to like make sure that we didn't go over on our minutes and stuff and then yeah. our then my mom would always get on me about hey why have you been talking so long on your phone i don't know I remember like internet AOL dial up where it's like, uh, you would get (laughs) 90 minutes a month and you had to like ration it and partition it out against all the family members. So, and then I remember swapping like trading chores for extra internet minutes with my sister. Yep. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yep. I, I remember so old. I remember, uh, on downloading, uh, putting one of those, um, 1000 hours free AOL CDs, on my computer and uh and trying to download x-wing custom missions that people (laughs) that people made and i was such a hacker at like 13 it was awesome oh i'm sure yeah those are the days man those are the days those those are the days Mm. i don't even know what is the equivalent these days i don't i don't know i don't know either but uh Anyway, let's just, I guess, roll right into our topic, unless there's anything else you wanted to uh, address. Yes, I did um, want to address the elephant in the room. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, no, yeah, well, let's let's go ahead and start talking about some lenses. Yeah, I mean, essentially, we want to do a series of um, uh, focal length reviews, talking about the lenses that we use in that designated focal length from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I guess for both of us, it made sense to start with the 50 millimeter focal length or something in, in the 50 millimeter range. It's, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same for you that for me, it's, it's 90% of what I shoot. Definitely. Probably mm-hmm. uh, at least a high eighties percent. <laughs> um, my favorite, favorite focal length by far. So what, uh, what, what's, um, your, your 50 millimeter of choice? Um, Sigma Nikon. Mine's uh, mine's a Sigma fifty one four. Um, the older one, it's uh, I guess H was well, the one before the art. Um, HSM, I think it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. HSM. So the five hundred dollar one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought it. I I actually bought it at B and H in person uh, from a bunch of 
bunch of hilariously old Jewish guys. Um, <laughs> that's B&H. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that was an awesome experience. Were they by the hilariously way, just being old there. or old and hilarious? Old and hilarious and oh, hilariously okay. old. Like one guy is sitting there and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I can, uh, let me get this thing ringed up for you. And then this other guy comes up and he's like, Jonah, what are you doing? You don't know how to do this. And he's like, get away from me. I got this. And then he, it, it was, it was amazing. I was like, is this really happening? Um, but yeah, that's how I, that's how I, I bought my 50, like six or something years ago. And I still have it today. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the problem with, okay, so I, my lens of choice is nowadays the Nikon 58. Um, I prefer it be a 50 millimeter, but it's a 58 millimeter because they were trying to, um, they were inspired to recreate the look of an old Nikon 58 millimeter 1.2 from mm-hmm. the seventies, which I also own, uh, but it's a manual yeah, focus lens. It's manual, so it, but it's nice. Yeah. It is pretty. That's a pretty lens. It is. Yeah. And the 5812 or 1.4 is fantastic. They had to go to 1.4 to fit the uh, the mechanisms for it to have autofocus. They couldn't do autofocus and have a 1.2 because the mount size is smaller than, say, like a Canon mount. But before yep. that lens, I, too, used the Sigma HSM uh, 50 1.4. And it's an incredible lens as long as you got a good copy, mm-hmm. which is sort of always the case with any lens. But I think, in general, Sigma does have a little bit less reliable manufacturing and uh or whatever their process is for making their lenses seems to be that people will just regularly get just lenses that don't perform as well as someone else's and i've been very lucky i own three of the old sigma 50 hsm uh i bought one a while ago then i bought a backup because mm-hmm. i loved it so much and then nessa yeah. switched from nikon to canon and so i took her 50 are, and it's are any of those are are any one of those uh not as good as the other ones or? no they're all awesome that's great that's what's weird uh for me and uh, I, I also manual focus a lot in live view, so yep. maybe I'm a little Same. less sensitive to it than somebody who autofocuses all the time. Um, and it is, but, and it is an easy lens to manual focus. Um, it's it's you know pretty pretty buttery um, in the um, in terms of the the actual sliding around, um, but I, I I like it for manual focus. It works pretty well. Yeah, and the 50 millimeter range in general, like the that field of view, is pretty reliable for focusing. Like a 24 yeah. millimeter, we'll talk about this in another episode, but like it's such a wide scene that the the physical amount of space that your focus point lays on top of can can have so many different layers yeah, all at that, once compared that the to a 50. AF can get yeah. confused. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and a 50 millimeter and an 85 or something like that tends to be a lot more reliable um, in terms of autofocus. And um, I will say my very first kind of professional prime lens was the Nikon 50 1.8. And yep. oh no, actually it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. It, wasn't. it was, was it say. was the Nikon 50 1.4. Oh, the uh, the D or the G? I guess the, the D. D. Yeah, yeah, and it was. And I still have it. The worst lens oh, ever made. Yeah, that lens like, sucks. So, so bad. <laughs> I don't know how the G is. I've heard it's also not great. It's not at all. great. No, I've yeah. I've used it and it is um it's light, it's wonky, it's uh and it and most of all it just doesn't really have any <laughs> character or quality yeah. to it that I that beats the the Sigma for me. 
I mean, these are totally subjective things, but in general, I tend to agree with yeah what you're saying. It, it is, and it's soft. The D especially it was just horrible Very chromatic soft. aberration and so soft at 1.4. The 51.8 D was incredible. It was super sharp. Great. And yeah. so cheap. It's like 200 bucks. 100 bucks. Yeah. 100 bucks. Oh, 120. Yeah, now. Oh, nowadays, the D, I don't know if yeah. it's always mm-hmm. been that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Nikon, I feel like overall, what they've offered in the 50 mil range has been kind of you know, hit or miss, except for the 58, which actually, I guess, is sort of hit or miss. For me, it was always a hit, but I know um, probably more people than not actually dislike the 58 1.4 why, they say it's too they soft it? and too slow uh-huh. and misses focus and again maybe it's a bad copy issue i don't know mine's always been great with focus and it's sharp enough way way sharp enough for me yeah it's not so okay the big one we haven't talked about is the new sigma 50 1.4 art it's yep. newish. It's been out a couple of years. A lot of people swear by that lens. Um, and tons of wedding photographers. In fact, I would say most, if not it's, all, of the wedding photographers that I know shoot with it, uh, unless they're Canon. Um, yeah, and even then, oh, I know even Canon sh- people. Yeah, that do. yeah, yeah. And um, it's great. I own the lens. Uh, my biggest complaint with it is that it's super heavy and really big, and uh, that's you know. Yeah. The, um, the 58 Nikon is really light and it's got a recess. The front element on the Nikon 58 is really recessed in. So if you do a lot of shooting through objects like I do, the prisms or unmounted double convex lenses or what have you, <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you can really shove stuff in, in there without fear of you nicking the, the front of the, you know, the glass element and the Sigma 50 art Whoa! Sorry, that was a I, Nathan's out of here. I, I work on talk. I, my my house is right next to a fairly main road in Richmond, so yeah, I get a I lot slept, of. Yeah, I slept. I slept in that room, or the room right next to it, and got a nice taste of that. Yeah, the the, uh, the, ho- the walls are are wonderfully um, acoustically treated to make sure <laughs> that you hear as much of the uh, sound. That's what they were going as for, possible sure. uh, from outside. Yeah, so, that's okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say, except that, uh, yeah, it, it, the 58 has a great recessed front element that keeps it very lightweight and, uh, it's nice. The, the Sigma 50 art, is, it has superior sharpness. Autofocus is probably about the same, but it's really heavy and there's a lot of glass and it's, it's right up to the edge. So, you know, you're more likely to, to crack it or scratch it. For yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I've just had a lot of luck with lenses, but, um, you know, I've had front elements fall off of of lenses before. Um, with the Sigmas? Uh, not not the Sigmas, but... I have. Uh, yeah, dude. So that's, a, that's one of the funny downsides of the, uh, the HSM uh, non-art lens, Sigma art lens, is that the front element is just screwed in. So it can unscrew. <laughs> um, and, and it will. And it I can fall out. Um, yeah. It can yep. just fall right off if you're not careful. Every now and then I like pull it up to my... I and I hear a little ding ding and I'm like ah, hold on a second so I just get in there it, it and screw slowly it back works in. its way yeah it works its way out and if you don't check it occasionally it will eventually just fall but, out but uh, I, I've never had that happen with that lens but on my old 80 to 200 which somehow still works uh, that I bought broken and is now worse um, one time I was at the pre- <laughs> one time I was at the press club getting ready to shoot hey uh some like 
dumb event. And, and I'm walking along and I hear ping. And I look down and there's the front element of my 80 to 200 just lying on the ground. <laughs> and, I, and I pick it up. Did and anyone like, see? What the heck happened? No, Nobody no. saw. I just screwed it back in and I kept shooting. <laughs> it was hilarious. It probably worked fine. It was fine. It was totally You'd fine. You'd be surprised how uh, how much give in terms of the front element being scratched or missing or cracked. You can actually still make pretty good pictures usually unless you stop yeah. down to anything other than F1.4. If you're shooting wide open, it's usually fine. Exactly. If you and stop if down, it can... the front element is also a little easier to, uh, is a little more forgiving in terms of scratches. I've got a, um, I've, yeah. I've got a, and Sigma 85, uh, older 85 that, um, has like a pretty nasty, pretty gnarly looking scratch on the front and, uh, works fine. Never had nice. any problems. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah, but, uh, for me overall that, that fi- the 50 millimeter range, uh, aside from just the quirks and differences between all the different versions and manufacturers, and we should mention the Canon, uh, the popular choice for canon shooters is the 50 1.2 l L series really expensive lens i think that's like 1700 bucks this l series lenses are just awesome um they really i mean that's the main reason i keep wanting to consider switching to canon is the l series lenses they're just incredible especially that 50 at 1.2 it's people may not think the difference between a 1.2 and a 1.4 is is huge in terms of uh light and, and bokeh rendering but it is it it's is really very big. significant and it's noticeable and it's uh yeah worth shooting it if you have access and shoot with that system i just posted on facebook and was editing a picture from a workshop that i did last week or two ago in nashville mm-hmm. and uh my my nikon battery died and i didn't have a spare on me so i asked a workshopper if i could borrow one of their cameras and it was a it was a canon mark three with the canon 50 1.4 mm-hmm. so the the cheaper version mm-hmm. uh and it too was absolutely beautiful stunning lens i'd never shot with it and i like every single picture i made with that lens nice. from from the uh workshop i was again i was just like oh there's something to this canon glass like there really is um and maybe that's just me being so used to shooting nikon that i just like anything that's different uh, to my eye but could be yeah. i'm sure that's part of it but the the colors and you, you know have you ever taken like a sigma 50 you probably have maybe, maybe you have taken a sigma 50 and then swap lenses and taking the exact same shot with a nikon 50 and and or maybe the nikon 58 have you ever done that the exact same environment and shot uh no not with those two lenses no you would be shocked at how different not only the bokeh is rendered and all that but the colors can be totally different uh based on just the the glass that you're shooting through i mean that probably makes sense to a lot of people but it's a significant difference more so in my opinion than even the sensor of the cameras being different uh the the actual glass right. that you're shooting oh through definitely change the colors more and uh something about what canon uses in their glass i, I find superior or just more to my taste most of the time but so um, going going with that argument um or going with that line uh 50 the 514 hsm and the 51 for art are pretty different um i would say almost worlds apart in terms of 
sharpness um yeah i mean the sharpness on the art is it's crazy it's almost it's, too much that's kind of why that's i don't that's exactly what one. i said that's exactly what i said when i got it it's it's like way it's too much yeah it's almost distracting and um i I'd, again that could just be me preferring that the look that i know and understand but i I, I liked, you know, I liked the images that I was making with the 51.4 art. I, I shot a couple weddings with it and um, it, they were fine, but I really still just kind of came back to the character of of my uh, Sigma over that one. I just thought it was a little, had well, a little more going on with it. I think part of what's happening there possibly is that uh, Sigma is kind of future-proofing their designs. Yeah. Like as you get higher resolution higher megapixel cameras uh having really soft lenses uh become become too soft once you start shooting 35 Mm -hmm. megapixels plus like having extra sharp lenses um sort of it can contribute to the image it balances that back out yeah 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 and shooting at such high resolution like you need more sharpness that's why yeah medium format lenses and all that are are thousands of dollars because they have to be designed so sharp to to hold up to you know 80 megapixel phase one sensor files and stuff like that so yeah side note that could be yeah uh side note sorry to interrupt but um do you or anyone else out there know of what's going on with Fuji's medium format? Because I want it. Anybody? No, no, no comment. No comment. No. All right. Anyone else out there? <laughs> no. Let's just see how long it takes for someone to start yelling at us. Anyone? Okay. Oh, I do. I am gonna go look in the FujiRumors.com website and see. I am very excited. Yeah, I really so I guess I want it. it. It'll probably still be a cropped medium format sensor, but uh, I think that 50, still, that'll probably be like a 70 something millimeter or 85 millimeter will be the uh, 50 millimeter equivalent exactly. for field of view. Yeah. Um, so go, so kind of going along with that, um, real quickly to recap, the Sigma, I, I just checked this online, from what I can tell, Nikon 51.4D is about 300 bucks. Stay away from that. The uh, 51.4G is 450 bucks. Stay away. Probably from still that. stay away from that. Yeah. Uh, the art lens is the Sigma Art 50 is 950 bucks, uh, as far as I can tell. Maybe lower, but uh, in somewhere in that range. And then the the uh, 51.4 HSM I can't find new anywhere. So um, I think they're all kind of being sold. Somewhere between around uh, 250 to like 570 bucks in that range, if you can find one. Uh, those are those are pretty cool. Um, now I do know plenty of people that shoot with the Nikon uh, 14G and like it, but I yeah. You know, and part of me. me is guessing that they probably haven't shot any alternative. <laughs> it's yeah, it's possible. Um, and and again that. If you're just starting out, that 514, uh, sorry, 18 by Nikon, the 18G in particular, it's so good and it's not expensive. It's a and great one point, lens. And 1.8, 1.8 will get you there. Like it's, it's very shallow yeah. depth of field. Like it, it's, yeah. That's, that's where you want to be starting for sure. Um, I would take that over the 1.4 Nikon 50 millimeters any day. Yeah. Yeah. Given the choice, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the 1.8 just because 
it's a great lens. It has lots of uh, lots of intangibles uh, on the on the fifty one four uh, one eight, um, and I I actually am, am not sure. Oh, maybe this is a thirty five. I'm thinking about thirty five, but Canon doesn't make like a really good thirty five one eight. I don't think. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, Sam. You wanted to mention something about the 45 tilt shift, just given that it's in kind of the same yeah, general that's, range. Yeah, I mean, that's my overall tilt shift of choice is the Nikon 45. And um, I think they they had to make it 45 millimeter instead of 50 because of the size of the lens with all the moving knobs and stuff uh, to be able to pivot the front elements of the tilt shift uh they had to make it 45 but that lens is exceptionally sharp again they had so to make it extra good. sharp so that it was still sharp at any any movement and pivot point uh so they if you just shoot it like a regular lens at 2.8 it is the sharpest 45 millimeter at 2.8 you can possibly get oh yeah it's dude. insane any of those yeah. old um those tilt any generally speaking tilt shift uh lenses are super sharp and uh the old so i've got i've got this really weird old lens uh this like old nikon uh pce lens the yeah the previous generation of tilt shift exactly before they they're, refreshed it yeah they're called which is called perspective control something but it was it it was a very very odd lens you just were generally using it to shoot buildings and landscapes and things like that Anyway, I broke off the back of that, and I use that for freelancing. But it is unbelievably sharp. It's uh, it, it is the sharpest lens I have by a long shot, and I love it. It's a it's a weird one though. It's a three point five aperture, um, so it's it, it's yeah. a crazy crazy thing to try to to freelance with. But it does work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that how'd you find that lens? I was buying, so I was looking for a um, a seventy to two hundred lens to replace my horrible eighty to two hundred lens that we have already talked about on the show, and um, I found some guy who like lived right near me that was an old photojournalist getting rid of some gear, and he had a seventy to two hundred, and I bought that from him, and he was like, "Hey, while you're here." Uh, I got a bunch of other lenses and, uh, do you want anything else? And I kind of looked around. I didn't really see much. It was all, all a bunch of old, um, you know, kit lenses and zoom lenses that I don't have any use for. Um, and a lot of like way old stuff that would barely even work on my, um, I think I had a D 700 at the time. And, um, and so I saw this really weird I think it's a yeah, it's a thirty-five millimeter lens, and uh, and I looked at, it, I was like, man, I, I bet I could, I bet I could just break off the back of that and make it into a freelancing um, lens. And I took it home, and it took tons of effort to kind of get what? the back off of it. What inspired that? Um, oh, that 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 would have been uh, a, a friend of mine that was talking about um, freelancing and how you should how you should. Uh, take the back off and i can't remember who that was probably somebody oh, okay. um yeah, probably somebody so. that wasn't you i don't know yeah <laughs> um and uh so it, it worked 
um, which is great. And it's an awesome lens for freelancing. The downside is I bought it for a hundred bucks and I was looking on eBay randomly the other day. <laughs> and <laughs> how much is it? Um, that's about an $800 lens <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> that I completely destroyed. I was in completely fine condition. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> oh, it's holding up all right. It should last you a good while. It's yeah, quality yeah. glass. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of holding on to that. Um, and I, dude, and honestly, I shoot with it more, maybe more than I should. Um, but I just love that lens. It's uh, that pretty. I don't, I don't do any tilt shifting because I don't have a tilt shift lens right now. And if you see yeah. something that looks tilt shifty on my Instagram, it's free lens. Well, well, we'll come back to that when we talk more about 35 mil focal lengths, but my preference is to shoot 50 millimeter when I free lens. And yeah, what yeah. I did was take, take the rear rear mounting elements off of the, um, 50 1.8 D $100 lens. And, uh, gave you gave me a lot more flexibility and twisting and bending and moving that lens yep. all around the inside of my, uh, I guess bending, not, not technically bending, but, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, so, um, that one, I, the 50 is great. I, for it, 35 is a, is an awkward, uh, portrait, um, portrait length sometimes yeah. for, for me, but, uh, with the combined with freelancing, it, uh, it, it works okay i think so moving on from the different quirks and hardware aspects of all these 50s um we wanted to briefly discuss sort of the way shooting 50 millimeter influences your actual attitude and and approach to shooting for for me Mm -hmm. uh it's kind of this perfect balance of where i want to be most of the time when i'm photographing like if you're physically for example shooting yeah physically speaking like in the space in the room with people uh doing regular storytelling or even doing portraits like I comfortable space for me is probably going to be different than a lot of other people. And, um, you know, some photographers that shoot with really big zoom lenses or 85 millimeters, you're generally sort of like across the room for everyone where I can see it actually being very easy to, to stay out of, to just be hidden and, and totally out of people's way and, uh, and all of that. But, you know, counter that with like a 35 millimeter shooter or something like that 24 millimeter shooter all the time like you're right up in in everyone's grill yeah which is fine but for me the 50 really strikes that perfect balance of how i like to like interact socially (laughs) with people um where i'm there but i'm not like in the way uh physically of people um and i'm in a comfortable personal space distance for for myself (laughs) and what i like yeah yeah (laughs) um that's a big part of it and the other thing is i think it just strikes when you're doing portraits with the 50 mil for me like a lot of times people are sort of within the context of a scene right i'm not shooting right up on their face very often and it kind of strikes this perfect balance in terms of flattering with the distortion that the 50 millimeter has and the amount of amount i like to capture in a scene uh the 50 mil just just kills it it does really really great so yeah i don't know if you had any alternative 50 50 is cool because it's it's not it's a little tiny bit wider than what i would categorize as real life what you're actually seeing um which is where the 58 kind of nails it exactly that um, extra eight millimeter really does sort of it, line up with yeah, your eye i would say somewhere between yeah 58 
somewhere between i would say it's around 60 or 70 millimeters that it if you look for instance if you look through an 85 um and you keep both your your eyes open it's basically the what you're seeing in terms of how uh in terms of magnification on people it's i would say it's almost one to one yeah um so a 50 or a 58 um keeps it's a little bit wider um and it in yep. it but it's not it's not super noticeable so i love i just love that length because it lets me it it really helps me with composition i'm i'm not great on composition it's something that i'm constantly working on and constantly trying to improve on but um a 50 millimeter lens feels to me like i'm a kind of sort of what you were saying about having a scene in front of you helps me really capture what is is really happening with uh with less influence in terms of so much stuff in the room usually for instance let's yeah. let's talk um even just uh, uh getting ready portraits a lot of times um you know if you get a really wide shot you can get everything in there having a 50 millimeter really restricts you and and brings you into what each person is doing what each subject um how each subject is interacting with each other and you can kind of you can kind of get it down to that to that one or two people in a scene um that is very effective for you know for wedding photos and for photos in general um Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know when I'm when I think about good artistic paintings or good artistic compositions, and I I, I kind of feel like I'm thinking in a fifty millimeter kind of zone. And it kind of puts it on you to make it an interesting photo. Like by default, it is a pretty boring you know, any, anything from maybe the thirty five to eighty five millimeter range. I, I would consider sort of boring. It's not imparting a lot of distortion, and it's not doing a lot to what's in front of you and so it's it's boring unless you make it interesting and in your framing and your lighting and your moment and timing and all of that which is it's kind of cool yeah i of course love to switch that up and we'll talk about other focal lengths later uh with with lenses that really do make a boring scene interesting by just default of the lens something like an 18 millimeter or what have you Mm -hmm. is going to make everything look kind of crazy right but the 50 millimeter is a pretty safe secure plain focal length and um that is a positive in a lot of ways if you really want to work on your content in terms of making your work still seem dynamic and interesting um, honestly yeah yeah so i was going to say shooting shooting with a 50 has completely for i would say forcing myself to shoot uh, at a 50, um, has really, I think, accelerated my learning in terms of how, how to, how to shoot better. Um, just because being a, being, being a bit like a new photographer when I was, when I was just starting out, I was defaulting to this wide range. Um, because, I just kind of wanted to get a view of the scene. I wanted to get everything in there. I wanted to kind of stay back. Uh, yeah. I, I was a little nervous. Um, and taking taking that focal length and, and just bringing it right into what you're looking at right now and kind of reducing your peripheral 
nonsense um, or reducing your, you know, what's going on in your peripheral really helps you kind of focus in um, and kind of helps yep. you start to think differently about about photos. And I guess also kind of a tip for starting out, at least that worked for me, is to whatever it is that you feel really, really, really comfortable using, get out of that, try something different and uh, see how that affects your work. So, Yep, absolutely. I completely agree with yeah, I, all those points. I, I was going to say that I started out kind of more on the 35 feeling like I was more of a 35 type shooter and mm-hmm. I had a really awesome 35 one eight for a while and I shot like a few weddings with it. And then I just said, no, I'm going to try 50 and it was just a much, much better experience. And I think, feel like I, I bringing it all in really helped a lot. I think. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's only so much we can talk about <laughs> 50 millimeter lens without actually having any images to show people as we're discussing. So I think this is a, probably as good a point as any to, to stop. But I mean, I would like to continue these on through um, a few other episodes. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about 85 mil, 35, 24, yep. some ultra wide, we'll some do, zooms. We'll do some zooms phones. and we'll, yeah. we'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about kind of your, uh, the, uh, was it the Holy Trinity? Oh, um, yeah. I love that. I love that concept. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that later on. Um, so what what do you got going on today, Sam? Ah, editing, editing, and uh, more editing. Trying to knock everything out before Christmas, obviously. Yep. Trying to give people. I have one more wedding for the year in like a week. So nice. Yep. I same here. A little bit of. I've, I've got one more wedding uh, just this weekend. So nice. Yeah. Um, so things are slowing down. But if you can double that up with actually getting all your edits done, then it's like, holy crap, I actually have free time. So that is the That's light the at the end of the tunnel that I'm trying to focus that on. That is the goal. I still, yeah, I still have three weddings to deliver and or two weddings to deliver and then this one to shoot and then three yeah. or four other events that need to get out the door. So it is, it's in crunch mode right now. I hear you. Yeah, I think I have like eight weddings in the queue. So Although, you know, it, it was pretty awesome. I, I took this incredible 12-hour coastal Amtrak train down from San Francisco to LA yep. over Thanksgiving break. Yep. And uh, dude, I crushed three weddings, or sorry, two weddings and a rehearsal dinner and a portrait session in like eight hours just because I was just bam, I just rocked right through them. So awesome. Definitely highly recommend trains for getting around. And yeah, you can't can't go wrong with that. And it's a, yeah, for me, it, it, I agree. Trains actually work a lot better than planes. Something yeah. about the motion motion of them. I think I tend to get motion sickness. So also so planes. cramped in planes. You know, you, everything yeah, is just smells bad. It smells bad, and yeah. you're you're you feel like a chipmunk typing away at this yep. stupid computer. And the person in front of you always puts their seat back and smacks your drink <laughs> over. And uh, oh wow. At least that's that's how it always happens with me. It's okay. Yeah, I've been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Well, Mm. uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, That about wraps it. So we'll catch you later.